0: All right, welcome to another episode of I Just Interview My Friends. Uh, Today, I am interviewing my friend, Kevin Cho. Uh, And the reason why I thought about Kevin is because Kevin has a very different than, I guess, normal in our socioeconomic Asian-American sphere experience with higher education. (laughs) Um, And I've always thought of just a really fascinating story. The little bits that I've known, And when I was thinking about this podcast, about you know who should I ask? What do I want to know more about? I've always like, man, I've known these little things about your life, Kevin, but I've wanted to know more. So uh, just to start us off, you know, what is your (laughs) what was your higher education journey? Um, Like when you were in high school, were you like, I'm gonna go to four year school, right? I'm gonna do the general UC thing. Was that your plan?
1: So um, I think. College was something of a, a really huge goal for my family in general. Because, um, you know, my cousin, who's two years older than I was, he was very into academia. Um, early on in high school, he was taking the college courses. Um, and his goal was to graduate as soon as possible. And for me, um, the friends that I had or the friends that I was surrounded with we kind of saw college as something that was so far away, mm. and so when it came, junior, senior year, it was kind of crunch time to figure out what we wanted to do. Um, and given, you know, growing up in a uh, Korean American household, the question is, is always asked: you know, what, what what are your plans? Like, what are your goals? What are your dreams? And mm. for me, to be honestly, uh, to be honest, I really loved golf, and I wanted to pursue that. Um, but little did I know I was probably on the far end of the, uh, spectrum of where I needed to be, to mm-hmm. be ready for competitive collegiate golf. Mm-hmm. And, uh, my backup plan was to be an architect. And a lot mm-hmm. of people don't know that because that dream was cut short when I got a C minus in geometry. <laughs> <And so> <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm going to ask all of our architect friends, what did you get in geometry? <laughs>
1: Right. Um, so, yeah, no. Uh, and then, you know, uh, our family kind of had a hard time uh, my senior year. And I think I had a lot of growing up to do a lot earlier uh, than in comparison to what my other senior friends were, what their current life stage looked like. Um, and, you know, uh, I took the SATs, no practice, no, no pre-education tutoring that every other person went through. I literally went through three pages of a test, pep, test prep book that I bought at Costco. Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, it's probably just like any other test. I went to Maranatha high school. I took it, finished before anybody else and waited it. And I got my results. And I was like, oh my goodness, I'm not going to get into college. <laughs> 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 with the results, uh-huh. But, um, you know, God provides, right? So I got into, I applied for, uh, Cal Baptist university and, uh, I was still planning on pursuing golf. And so I actually emailed their golf coach before I even applied, um, shows where my priorities were, but, um, I applied and, uh, I got in, I, I got in with the test scores that I had and my GPA was really good. Um, But yeah, I got in and it all felt like a dream to me because, um, getting into college itself, it was a struggle and, uh, just all of it, like the inception of getting the acceptance letter, um, being able to walk on for the golf team itself. I felt like, man, this is all kind of too good to be true. And I, and I felt little pockets of that while I was in college Mm. and, um, Yeah, being a Christian, it was a Baptist university, so um, I knew going into it, you know, I wanted to assure my parents, like, hey, it's a school with good values. Um, It's a good school that I know a couple of my friends were going to, so I wasn't going to be a complete stranger. And so I went in uh, fully kind of prepared to just uh, get involved with the golf team and really pursue my career still in that route. Mm-hmm. and uh yeah the and first in, year freshman. high school years,
0: before we get to you in college like in high school yes. right like you know your primary focus with with golf right academics not like obviously you weren't like terrible academically but you weren't like mm-hmm. you know the straight a asian kid right
1: yeah, yeah was
0: that something that you know your parents understood and supported was that something that did that cause conflict at home
1: so i think for me um I, you know, a lot of people do. I love my parents, but I was particularly, uh, I did not want to disappoint my mom, right? Because, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I grew up with my grandparents and uh, about to see my parents on the weekends just because of their busy work schedule. But, um, you know, I think growing up, I, I kind of I did miss that relationship. But at the same time, if I did get in trouble, it was my mom. So mm-hmm. I just didn't want to disappoint her. Mm-hmm. And uh, freshman year was my worst, my absolute bottom, like grade-wise. Mm-hmm. Uh, up until middle school, everything was fine. Uh, freshman year, uh, very untraditional. I played football and golf, and mm-hmm. uh, I think, yeah, playing football really kind of messed up my school schedule, and I, I was, I did terrible, Jason. Um, and then sophomore year through senior year, I actually did, uh, yeah, just golf and I knew the schedule and I knew how to balance out my school and my sports. So yeah, actually from sophomore year to senior year, I did get straight A's. Um, and I took a lot of Bible classes that were Mm -hmm. easy A classes. So maybe that was, (laughs) you gotta gotta know the
0: system, you gotta work the system.
1: (laughs) Exactly. Um, no, but yeah, it, it was definitely, uh, it was a struggle at first. Yeah, I definitely felt the pressures, uh, mm. being an Asian household because my, it was like in comparison to my older cousin, mm. uh, just two years apart. Hey, look at, look at, look at what he's doing in school. He's, uh, pursuing like extracurriculars and, uh, he's doing all of this. And, uh, I'm just like, well, that's him and this is me. Um, mm. uh, and so for me, it was just, do the best that I can and let's just get through high school and, um, in college is when I'll flourish. Yeah.
0: And so yeah, in college, so you're, you're at Cal Baptist, right? You're playing mm-hmm. golf. The dream mm-hmm. seems like it's alive. So what yes. happened, what happened next?
1: Um, with college, uh, well, I think it, it has a couple different layers to it. The first layer is, uh, Spiritually, my faith. Um, I wanted to get away from ANC. Um, <laughs> I remember. And
0: <laughs> yeah. I, I always have this uh, funny story. I remember like the college, the call, the the summer before you went to college, because I mm-hmm. think I was I was in college group, right? Yeah. And yeah. then I was like, "Hey, Kevin, you should come out." And then you were like, "Yeah." You were like, "Jason, I'm not gonna lie to you. I'm not gonna come." And I was like, "Oh, dude, why?" <laughs> and you were like, "And you were like." again, I'm not going to lie to you. I don't want to. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. I think, um, that transition from graduating high school, going into college, uh, I was just so ready to, to leave A&C and looking back on it, I think it was just, uh, man, I, I, I think it, it just came down to the community around it. Um, I did have my core group of friends, you know. Um and I know I know you know who they are and is is the same guys that I've always have seen and um but for me I was just like, Man, this place just it's so uncomfortable and mm. I don't like being here. Um, I I served in GM and I took the journey service when it was still around. But, <laughs> oh, uh those
0: are, those <laughs> are old days.
1: Yeah, those are the days and um I would leave right after Um, and so I didn't get a chance to really meet anybody new or have anybody try to get to know me. Um, and so going to Cal Baptist, although it was just in Riverside, it was like, for me, I was like, Oh, I feel so liberated. Um, I can just be me. Um, and so going to school, that was the first thing. Um, and then secondly, education wise, I think for me, um, I was a declared kinesiology major. So whatever it was, if golf didn't work out, I was going to pursue Korean sports. Mm -hmm. I wanted to be around athletes. I wanted to train people. And that's kind of what I was passionate about. And so all the courses pertaining to that major, I did fairly well, but Mm -hmm. everything else was just kind of like, whatever, I'll just get by. Mm -hmm. Um, And then on the golf related level, I think, man, it it just really didn't get any better than, than what I had before. It was, it was so awesome. I think how colleges, maybe it's biased but how colleges take care of the collegiate athletes Mm -hmm. is just on a whole another level um it it doesn't even matter what uh what league you're in Mm -hmm. it's just their care and their attention to kind of catering to their athletes it was like huh this is pretty nice and Mm -hmm. i can get used to this Mm -hmm. and uh first semester was awesome um I was a walk on. Uh, nobody knew about me. There's no stats about me, no big headline news in the local paper about me. And I was just kind of this question mark coming into the team. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was playing my best golf that I've ever played. Uh, because the summer prior to that, uh, Josh can attest to it, but it's just we were playing golf crack of dawn till nighttime. And it really war- It really paid off for me. Um, And the coaches are noticing and I was like, wow, okay, everything's going really well. Mm -hmm. And uh, second semester hits and uh, second semester, you know, you're registering for new classes. It's it's exciting. And um, I get to my registration desk and they go, your account is on hold. And I don't know what that means. Uh, You should go see your admissions counselor. And uh, they said that there was payments pending on my account. And at that point, I was just kind of like, oh, I wonder if my parents forgot. And then uh, just one phone call, I just kind of understood, okay, you know, going through some hard times. Okay. I understood that. And then it got resolved. It got resolved fairly quickly. And so I was like, okay, maybe they just forgot. Um, And second semester, again, going through those layers, my faith, education, and golf. uh, I got involved with, uh, my golf group and they invited me to a Bible study and I I got to be a part of this mentorship or mentee program. And, uh, it was really, uh, impactful in, I guess, where I, am, my faith, I think if it wasn't for that group, I would, I don't know where I would have been. I think I would have just been super lukewarm and probably not as committed with my relationship with Christ as I am now. Um, and I think that was a pivotal time, especially Cal Baptist for me. Um, and so, and then layering to my next part, which would be my education. The um, yeah, Education was still kind of lackluster. I just did whatever I did to get by. Um, and then the last layer again, being sports uh, with golf, I actually got hurt. Um, yeah. <clears throat> and uh a, was, a lot of people was, don't know, yes, go yeah. ahead I don't know,
0: you, you were going to say I was gonna ask what, what oh, the injury yeah. was
1: Oh, yeah, so um a lot of people don't know that I did get injured, but um i I started developing back spasms, and um it took away from my performance, and I actually also sprained my ankle. But that's a separate. That's a separate story. <laughs> but um, the main, the main uh, prolonged injury was my back spasms, which still bother me till today. Um, and it just came down to a hard conversation with my coach one day, and uh, they appreciated my efforts for first semester, and then going into second semester, they just didn't see the same performance. And again, I think I saw the realities of, wow, this is a, this is a real business, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I started to realize, okay, then, uh, what's, what's in the, what's in the future for me. And the coach was said, coach had said, uh, we appreciate you sticking with us. We would appreciate it. If you came back, he shook my hand and that was it. No talk of scholarships, no talk of extra funding. Um, and so I was just kind of hung out to dry. And, uh, I, when I had to, That's when I left for summer um, and I didn't really get to say goodbye to my teammates or my friends Mm -hmm. and uh, just knowing that I'd probably come back. And then uh, that summer uh, parents sat me down for dinner one day and they said, Hey, listen, um, I don't think you're going to go back to school next year. I said, what do you mean? Yeah. I said, well, you know, we're, we're going through some hardships. And I don't think it's a viable option for us to uh, consider sending you back to that school. And I said, Okay.
0: How did that feel? What yeah.
1: are our options? Yeah, it was it was a it was a big conversation and I can tell like my parents were contemplating it a lot because for my dad especially, his goal, his dream, um with a lot of Korean dads I feel like, um, their way of showing their love and care. Um, is through provision. Mm-hmm. And uh, the fact that my parents did not go to college, I think for them, uh, they wanted to provide for their kids to go to school. And so I, I could, looking back on it now uh, with a much more mature perspective, yeah, it was really hard for them to go through that. Um, but yeah, my dad said, you know, uh, why don't you just take the summer off um, and you can take the next year off and just we'll, we'll try to get back on our feet. And I said, okay, that's fine. Um, a year off is nothing. Um, and that's when it kind of, it spiraled out, uh, I went down a rabbit hole of, okay, probably not going to have to, probably not going to be able to go back to school for a longer period of time. Maybe look into other options of like community college. Um, uh, and yeah, that's kind of when I, realized, okay, maybe I need to help out the family, uh, more than pursue school at this point in time. Um, what, it's what really was, funny now.
0: What was the, yeah. revel- how did, how did you reach that point?
1: Um, I think at that point, uh, my mom wasn't feeling too well, so she was taking work off and it was just my dad. And, uh, I can just tell my dad was just getting really worn out, um, and it's just not being able to provide for college schooling. I think that was the first kind of red flag that I saw. And then, um, just, you know, you, you pick up on the conversations that your parents have and you can kind of feel the tension in the air. And as the oldest, um, you know, you just a little bit, for me, I was a little bit more quick to react and I was a little bit more sensitive to that. Um, And again, like I said, I have a closer relationship with my mom. So I kind of kind of pick up on that and see, you know, how she's doing. And I can tell at the time she wasn't getting any better. Um, And so, you know, I just made it like a like a passive aggressive thing. Hey, you know, I can help out kind of thing and I'll get a I'll get a part time job and, you know, uh, I'll do this and I'll do that because I've worked before in high school, too. So for me, it was like, uh, how hard is it to get a job? Right. And so I started looking um, and, you know, back when Sports Chalet was still around, uh, I I interviewed at Sports (laughs) Chalet. Yeah, I interviewed at Sports Chalet um, and uh, and then my uncle was like, hey, why don't you uh, consider the military? And I was just like, "Okay," Uh, And I was literally days away of signing up, of going to the recruiting office and I was at a birthday party for my old high school teammate and uh, my old golf coach was there and he goes, Hey, how's it going? You know? Um, and we just, we're just catching up casually. And I told him, you know, next week, I'm actually going to go to a recruitment office and I'm going to enlist. And then he goes, why would you do that? And I go, well, I mean, uh, you know, just trying to help out the family and, you know, education is important to me. So, you know, the military can help out with that. And he goes, he, he was kind of like a, a really important figure in my life throughout high school. And he goes, Kevin, I know you. You're not going to want that. Mm. Listen, um, don't do it. I'll try to get something lined up for you. And at that point is when I was actually serving with, um, with Peter mm. um, high. at ANC. Yeah. Um, oh, sorry. That summer when I came back to ANC, Mm -hmm. um, it was a very, it was a hard, very hard pull, but uh, I got pulled back into ANC and I started serving and I, um, yeah, I got involved with junior high ministry then. And then um, my, I got back from a retreat and my, I wasn't able to call my coach because I was obviously away Mm -hmm. and he actually calls me and he goes, Hey, um, come and find me or come and see me next week. I have a job lined up for you. Wow. <laughs> and it was at uh Valencia country club in Valencia. And, um, yeah, at, at that point I was like, okay, I'm set. I have a part-time job I can, uh, you know, provide for myself. And that was kind of like where the whole working before school chapter of my life started, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and so my, there was no real plan for me. Um, I was just gonna work until I can save up for school. Um, i was still trying to get in touch with, my, with, uh, with coaches in the local community college kind of scene. And um, yeah, I think uh, I was there for about a year and then um, I, was, I was doing really well. The job was really, really, uh, it was really good provision for me Uh, My coach gave me great hours. Uh, I got to learn how to talk to people actually with that Mm -hmm. job because it was a country club. So you meet a lot of very wealthy people. Mm -hmm. Um, And as a 19 year old kid, you're talking with these really well-off individuals who have flourishing businesses. And at a certain point you start questioning yourself like, Hey, I'm wasting my time just working. Why don't I try to really not network? I didn't even know what networking was back then, but why don't I just ask questions, right? As a curious kid, I'm 19. They probably think, oh, you know, he's a curious guy. Um, And, you know, the members that I got to see more often, I would just, you know, while cleaning their clubs, I'll be like, so Mr. So-and-so, like, you know, what do you do? You know, um, how did you get into golf? And surprisingly enough, that's when it clicked for me. You ask questions, they'll answer them for you. (laughs) 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 Right? Mind blown. Um, Yeah. And um, if you're respectful, they'll like you. um, They'll remember your name. And uh, yeah, for me, uh, at that point, that's what I think got me to really enjoy the job more. And really understand that people are people and you just got to be courteous and respectful and, you know, they'll, they'll like you to a certain degree. And um, that's how I got to learn, like I said, how to talk to people. And I really enjoyed, to, enjoyed the job. And uh, yeah, and when it was coming to a full circle of a year, my dad set me down again. I feel like this was becoming a routine. My dad Summer,
0: summertime summertime yeah, chats.
1: Exactly. And then my dad goes, Hey, um, I wanna talk to you and I think uh, that golf course job is not meant for you. Mm. And I go, Okay, what do you mean? It's like, Well, I don't think school is in the horizons. I think we still need to, you know, save up a little bit more, but I think, uh, you should consider working in the industry that I'm in and which was the industry that I'm in now, which is, um, for a lot of people, um, it's for Korean people, it's called chaba, right? It's The jobber industry where, uh, first gen Korean Americans came into this industry and started with garments and sewing factories and started it and became a fashion, a wholesale fashion industry. And, um, so. I was like, well, why would I want to do that? Because for me, my mentality was I'm, I'm saving up and I can go to school next year with what I've saved. Mm-hmm. And then he goes, well, if you're going to continue working, might as well learn a trade mm. and still make money. Mm. He said, don't waste your time at the golf course. And that was as stern as my dad has ever been to me mm. for the first 19 years of my life. Wow. Uh, and my, yeah. And for me, I completely understood cause that made sense. Like, okay. And my dad told me, Hey, try it out for six months. If you don't like it, you can quit and you can go right back into school with all the money you saved and you can work the golf course job as part-time. And I said, hey, that's more than reasonable for me. Mm-hmm. And, um, I got into the industry and six months became a year. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it becoming yeah. a
0: year. Was it because you like like you liked it? Like you found
1: yourself thriving? I think for me, um, I so I got in because of my one competency, which was being able to speak English. Um,
0: <laughs> <laughs> a powerful tool. A powerful exactly tool.
1: right. Um, I, I was able to speak English, and I was fluent in Korean, so I can understand and translate and do sales. Um, and I think working that golf course job, learning how to talk to people, I was like, man, this is, this is a part of God's plan. Like I, this, you know, all this work experience is supplemental to me to do this and who knows what's next. And, um, one of the reasons why I stuck around as long as for, for the time that I did was because the person that was training me actually abruptly quit one day. Mm. Um, and what I began to realize in this industry is, there's no such thing as a pre-notice to when you're going to quit. There's, uh, no two, there's no two weeks notice. It's two seconds. There is none. <laughs> there is none. It's just you don't show up for the first day, and I guess you're not going to show up for the rest of the, the where your employment is. But wow. um, yeah, they they left, um, and I just got I just got all of their work duties just put on my plate um i had to learn how to take over all their customers and learn how to do just a lot of things that i didn't get training for necessarily um and so yeah part of the reason was i was starting to learn um get a good feel for this industry and also man i can't let my bosses down um and so yeah i think those two kind of meshed and I think around that time I was 20 and um, yeah, through my 20th year, I was at that job. Um, And then yeah, towards the end of it, uh, my bosses, they really enjoyed having me as an employee and I respected them. Um, And in between, man, this industry was, it it really kind of brings out the character in a lot of people. And I think coming in as a second gen, um, you don't really understand what the first gen went through, right? Mm. Um, And just the grit and the rigorous kind of long hours that they put in. um, And a lot of what the first gen, especially in this industry, see is you put in the hours that shows me your dedication, that shows me how uh, committed you are. And it shows me how hard you're going to work in the future, right? So um, eight-hour days, they, they laugh at that. Hmm. Eight-hour days, it's its chum change, right? Hmm. And so, um, yeah, with this first job, I think what I learned was work, work ethic, but in an unhealthy way. Hmm. So learning how to put in the hours for something that you want to achieve, right? Hmm. Um, learning how to... Uh, Not make excuses, uh, learning how to, you know, see through the eyes of different perspectives. That's just so far from what you're used to see. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, it really woke me up to a different side of Korean culture and Korean business. Um, and I can see why and how they grew to be as successful as they did now because of, I guess, all the hard work that they put in the past. Mm -hmm. Um, and then so a year into that job, actually, um, my, it's so weird. My dad sat me down again <laughs> <laughs> and then he goes, Hey, I think with your experience, my experience and your mom experience combined, we can create our own company. And that's when, uh, Corey was born, right. Uh, our, our, the company that we did, um, and man. If I were to say, if I had to pick a point in my life where it was just like, I was at, I was at the edge that, that year, um, when I turned 21 is when we started Corey. Um, that year is probably when I was at my wit's edge. Um, I think physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually on all levels, Mm -hmm. uh, because number one is a family business. And so any, any work stress, any work related kind of hiccups, it gets carried on into the house Mm -hmm. and it just starts all over again the next day. Mm -hmm. Um, on the exterior it's cool. like I started a business, um, with my family. It's, it's my, my business, my rules. Um, but yeah, that's just, I guess the facade that you, that you put up, but Mm -hmm. man, deep down inside, I was just like, this sucks. This is hard. Um,
0: and and you can't quit.
1: You can't quit. Um, you're sick and you'll call in sick day. There's, you you can't, you, you go to work. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and there's no one there to help you. You got to do it. You got to put in the extra hours. And man, that's, uh, that was a huge pivotal, uh, like shift in my life. Um, and it, it got really bad to the point where it's like we couldn't pay the rent. We're behind on a lot of payments. And um, we're actually subleasing under a separate owner. Um, and because we missed like two payments, the landowner contacted the sub letter, right? Um, or the person that gave us the sublease. And um, he shows up at my at my store one day and he goes, hey, is everything okay? And I go, what do you know? <laughs> right? <laughs> what do you know that I should not tell you? <laughs> right? Um, and he goes, well, I know that you guys are missing rent. Um, is everything okay? And uh, that's when I was like, okay, I think you got to talk to my parents. Uh, and then so what became this next new chapter um that that person that person is actually my c e o um and he became or he's my boss right now who I work for now mm-hmm. um and uh the next several, couple months post that conversation it became he was gonna take over my business mm-hmm. he was gonna cover all the debts and he was gonna make it into a a sub brand for his current company and the current company that I work for is uh it's called USA, mm-hmm. and uh That was, when was that? That was when I was 21. So that was about seven years ago, almost eight years ago. And And, um,
0: do you think it was like your relationship with him? Because I'm like, in my head, I'm like, dude, he would probably, I would go in and be like, y'all need to get out, right? Like, screw you guys. Was that a relationship that you had had prior to that point?
1: So I think um, during that, point in my life, um, like I said, I was just driven to the edge. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I, I uh, during the time, I think it was when I was praying, be most honestly to God, mm. right? Um, like, just no holds barred, like, yeah. God, like, this sucks right now. Mm. Um, and it sucks that you put me in this position. Um, and, uh, you know, I was just really, really transparent in my prayers. And, uh, yeah. So when he showed up, he actually was, he knew my dad for like 20 plus years, right? They're, they did business together. And my dad was his supplier for a lot of different things. And then, um, my dad, I guess I found out later, he pulled him to the side and he told my current CEO now, he, he told him, Hey, um, I don't know about anything else, but, um, I put all my chips into my son. Uh, so, you know, you don't, you don't owe me or my wife anything, but can you just take care of my son? Mm. And, uh, and my CEO, he, I guess that piqued his interest. Is like, well, okay. He's seen a lot of people. He's a business person. And what's so special about your son. And Mm -hmm. I guess my dad went into some detailed conversations then, and it it came down to my CEO, uh, just understanding a little bit more about who I was and why, uh, my dad was so invested in me. Mm -hmm. And, um, at that time, my CEO needed people that he can trust around him, Mm -hmm. And he's heavily invested into second generation millennials. Mm -hmm. Um, that's where his passion is. Um, and so, he took a risk and he took a chance and, um, made a business decision to take over my business and take me as an employee. Mm-hmm. Um, but still kind of stationed in my, in that, in my line. Right. Um, and he can continue to mentor me and train me uh, and teach me more about this business, the more legitimate way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, that from that point on, um, uh, It was so fast. The next, after that, the the next six months, it just blew by because I was learning the business internally, externally. I was um, getting paid by the manager. That's my new company. (laughs) Uh Um, Yeah. At that point, Jason, um, yeah, I I wouldn't even exaggerate. I think uh, they took over in July of 2014. Uh, Two months in, um, we started getting really busy, and around October, I remember that month specifically, um, the month of October, I worked (laughs) seven in the morning till 10 p.m. five days a week. Wow. Um, And... The, the managers that I worked with at that time, they're like, this is nothing. This is nothing for you. you, if, you can't, if you can't get through this, what well, can you get through, right? So it was like hazing and training and very, um, I hate to say this, but, you know, this is, I guess the, the label that this industry has as a Korean business mentality. And, you know, um, back then I couldn't agree. More. Uh, I think it was true. Um, and that's how they grew to be successful. And that's how I continued to see it. And so, um, yeah, that work experience, um, it, it was really tough. But, you know, a lot of times when, like you had mentioned, Jason, in, in the beginning, when there's a certain thing where you have a passion for, um, and certain thing that you wanna pursue and school may not be a necessary option for you. I think the one thing a lot of people tend to neglect is the amount of work that you need to put in um, if you do decide to take the other route, right? Um, and I'm not, and I, and I completely agree. I don't think school is for everybody, um, whether it becomes a financial burden or it's due to the academics, Or it's just something that does not interest you or, you know, um, for me, education is important. But for me in particular, like it might be controversial, but I just don't think it matters where it comes from. Um, As long as you're able to get it from a good, credible source, whether it's through your work um, or you go to school for it. um, I have no preference in that. But, yeah, I think. The past eight years being in this industry, um, I think I've learned so much more than what I could have learned in school. Mm -hmm. Um, Yes, it took double the time and it took more effort Mm -hmm. and it was very hard. But I, I, you know, I don't know. I I don't think that I would trade off that experience um, because of the knowledge that I have now within the industry. Um, but yeah, but that beginning phase, man, it's tough. And, um, I, I think it's a great experience to be a part of, but you have to have a good mentor. You have to have a good leader behind you supporting you. Cause like I said, the managers would haze me, but I would look to my CEO and he'd be like, it's going to be okay, Kevin, you're mm-hmm. going to make it through. Mm-hmm. And then I go to my managers and manage to be like, get back to work. You know, why are you like five minutes late or where do you think you're going? Um, and at that time, I think again, church was another kind of escape from that reality of work life because Fridays were the only days that I would be able to get out at five because I have to make it to small group. So, um, they would, they would know that, um, And then, you know, they're all churchgoers and they're all Christian. So, you know, like Monday through half of Friday, they're like grilling me and giving me a really hard time. But it comes Friday afternoon. Oh, Kevin, church boy. Good. I'll see you you on Monday. Uh, Go do your church thing. And uh, yeah. So, yeah, that first kind of step into this industry is really, really tough. Really, really tough. Mm.
0: And like, during all of that right because yeah you're seeing your friends right like who are taking that more traditional route what was your relationship like with with your friends that were in college and that were going to school
1: man that's a really good question um i think at that time i was um I think I have a really good group of friends that kind of kept me I don't know if this is really silly kept kept me in the age group that I should have been in. Mm. Um so like I said I was 21 um I started in that industry so I started in the industry right when I turned 20 um and in that time a lot of my friends were still in college so it's like, I get off of work, they get off of school. We meet together. The conversations that we have, for me, I kind of want to have someone that can relate with me with the hardships at work. Um, but they talk about the, the midterm that they have. So that conversation does not align as well um, as I would have liked it to. And um, yeah, seeing my friend, all of my friends, there, I don't think there was one other person that was going through the same thing that I was going through. And seeing all of my friends go to school and kind of talk about the stresses of school compared to the stresses that I have at work. I was like, huh. they don't really understand what I'm going through. Um, and it was kind of hard for me to relate what they're going through either because I, I don't really know what that's like. And so when we would get together, the conversations were really hard for me at first. Um, and on how to find that middle ground of, okay, what's appropriate and what makes sense because I really value this relationship with all my friends, but I'm having a really hard time relating with them. And there's a lot of times when I did feel like an outsider, Um, but I think what really reassured me was um, in the midst of all of that, um, serving together with all my friends at the same time, really helped find that middle ground. Um and so so ironic, the thing that I hated the most prior to leaving to college, which was A and C, is what I grew to love the most when I came back. Um and I think serving again was the the common ground of all of that, serving in junior high. Um because not only was it myself but all of my friends were also um junior high, uh, teachers and, um, we all went to retreats together and, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, that's kind of where, yeah, it, I guess where we found where we could be relational in that sense. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, but as work grew a lot more, I guess, heavy loaded with the scheduling that I had. Um, I was starting to get pulled away from that too Um, because the excuse for me would be, man, I'm so tired guys. I can't hang out today. Mm. Um, And at that point is when, um, as I was transitioning out of getting used to the, the full-time work schedule and getting comfortable with how to balance out my life at that point is when my friends were graduating college And looking for jobs and now they're stressed about finding jobs Mm. and then again it comes another life stage moment of man how do i relate with that because i don't want to tell them suck it up or hey that's nothing because to them it's it's something huge um and it's another pivotal moment in their lives as they're beginning this new chapter but as for me i've already gone through that Mm. Uh, and so again it became like another couple years of trying to find that middle ground again. And, um, and I think at that point is when, um, for me, it when I grew a little bit distant because for so many years prior to that, I'm trying to find middle ground, trying to do this and, um, did find something. And then we grow. I go into the slump again where all my friends are trying to go th- through another life stage and I'm already out of that. And, um, yeah, I, for me, I guess the relational aspect with my friends, it was definitely there. And I did have community in church, but it was just so hard to relate um, in the more, I guess, the work, lifestyle, um, and kind of the mental of what we're going through together as a group um, yeah, that was that was really tough. That was really tough. Which is
0: crazy, you know. When I hear that, because I'm like, in a sense, I feel like that's what everyone right now in quarantine is going through, right? right. Like that difficulty of connecting and relating, right? You know, one thing I think I'm discovering is everyone's quarantine situation is different, right? Because we've got people yeah. who you know, even though there's a pandemic, they're working more than ever, right? Like, and not just working at home, you know, they're working out, you know, like uh, out, you know, as nurses and many other industries where they're having to work all the time. Do you feel like those experiences that you had to go through struggling with community, what, what, what would you speak into like our present situation of people struggling with community right now during quarantine?
1: Oh man. So I, yeah, I, I completely agree with you. Um, And I, and I talk about this with um, my close coworkers Um, and the bottom line is quarantine and COVID. It just really messed up everything this year. Um, But the one thing that I had, the blessings of having so many of these conversations with my boss actually is with, and my coworkers is, um, where's your mentality at? Um, and are you, my boss is very blunt with me and just a small group of, he calls us the second gen group. Cause <laughs> he has a group of like first gen managers and second gen managers. Mm-hmm. And it's me and, um, two others in that second gen management group. And for him, he's very blunt with us and he goes, are you going to sulk in the mentality of having something taken away from you? Or are you going to make something of it and make it better than what it was before? And that's a very business mindset, I feel like, but taking that and translating that into a personal mindset um, and what you're doing with this podcast, Jason, I think as hard as it. Is, as hard as it is i think as people we need to make an effort to do something in order for us to achieve something that we want Mm -hmm. right um and so with everybody that's in quarantine um personally for myself there's a there was a point in time where i started getting really sad for myself Mm -hmm. um And going into work with such limited staff, I started feeling really bad for myself. And my mentality was, man, you're right. The world is sucking right now. So I'm just going to suck with it. Hmm. And I'm going to feel sorry for myself. And I'm just going to look for people um, who pity me and um, maybe embrace this kind of suckiness together. But I think, yeah, it's just having that mentality of like not letting that get to you. And what I think is, uh, it's just surrounding yourself with people that will help you get out of that too. Um, and for me, I think a lot of it, it was my boss. Um, it was my boss. And um, my wife also helped me out with that too. Uh, just just because uh, the position that we're in, especially with the company, it's kind of a a rule where we're not allowed to sulk and we're not allowed to kind of embrace our weaknesses and kind of fall into a very lackluster schedule where everything just seems okay, so we're just going to go with the flow, right? Um, Our boss really pushes us to pursue better things and pursue things that are hard. And I think the hardest thing this year is COVID, and, um, quarantining. So when we approached the situation and saw it from a different perspective, um, it did take time to kind of burst out of this bubble that we were in, but yeah, I think for me, uh, finding community, um, and making a proactive attempt or being proactive in seeking out people to talk to, um, it really does help because it's just that Either it's you or it's someone else that really kind of sparked that initiative, and um, yeah, it, it doesn't have to suck. That's the thing mm. for me. I think it doesn't have to suck, dude. That's right. that is
0: a great like slogan for quarantine, right? <laughs> like, like quarantine twenty twenty. It doesn't have to suck.
1: Yeah, it yeah. really. I mean, it for me. I can't. I can't say that I figured that out right away. Mm-hmm. Um, I did go through the suck. And I did sulk in it, but I did again have people in my circle where they're where we would encourage each other and be blunt and be really straightforward and call each other out on the things that didn't necessarily, you know, make sense. Mm -hmm. So yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. You know, kind of seeing like this big picture, you know, when you were in high school, it was like I'm gonna play golf and there was this dream was there a point where you know i know you still play golf and all of our friends that play golf are like i don't want to play with kevin because he's gonna beat me it's almost like how good are you in comparison right to kevin um but like was there a point where you were like oh that dream is that dream is gone
1: i think when i got hurt um I didn't want to believe it, but I knew it was there because mm-hmm. um, the injury that I, I, I got, it, it's something that's really hard to come back from, um, especially without uh, the resources. Um, and I knew at that time I didn't have the resources to rehabilitate as fast as I wanted to. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, as soon as I got hurt, I knew that something was different. Um, it's kind of like, you know, uh, Friday Night Lights. Mm-hmm. And when Boobie Miles got the knee injury, mm-hmm. it's that same thing. Um, yeah. It's, it's so silly that a physical injury will deter you from what you were once able to do. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think when I did get hurt, I actually didn't play golf for a good two years. Wow. Uh, cause uh, it, it took me away from, cause I knew even if I played, I can't, I can't play with the same level of intensity and, I wouldn't be able to produce the scores that I wanted to. So I was almost ashamed of myself. And for, yeah, I want to say almost two years, I didn't really seek out wanting to play golf. Um, didn't really do anything. I'll maybe go to the range a couple of times, but that was it. Uh, and I really had no interest in it. Um, and then especially starting in this industry, I knew, okay, golf is out the door. Yeah. Wow.
0: And then, yeah. you know, kind of, having, you know, fallen so many different ways. Right. But, you know, like in this last (laughs) decade, (laughs) right. You know, you know, overcoming and growing. What's the dream? Like when, when was the, when was the moment where you were like, Oh, like I have a new dream or like, when's it, when has there been a moment where you're like, you know, I see what my life could be. And like, I'm excited about that.
1: Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I think, so this will maybe predate back to when I was serving um, in GM at, at church. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the reason why I chose the kinesiology and like the sports trainer uh, path in college was uh, the ability to work with people. Um, and I, I don't think I lost that passion, um, coming back to AMC again, serving in junior high, and, um, serving in college ministry, uh, and just really connecting with people again. And then, um, working in this business, I felt like, uh, I really rusted out and I, I, I think I got through all the, the hard times and I've gotten the recognition that I wanted to get. And again, uh, looking at the people that I work with, I think uh, I would have to look back on it now, but definitely God has kind of pieced the puzzles in my life of where I could be most useful and be used well. Um, And I've always felt that he placed me in places where I can work with people. Right. Um, <clears throat> so when we talk about, even at my workplace, when we talk about our own vision and our, and our mission and what we see as our five and 10 year plan, um, I continue to see myself working with people, um, whether it's in this industry or it's, it's doing something, uh, whether it's business related or not. Uh, I want to be surrounded by people that I can continue to empower and uh, build relationships with and, um, you know, help people or whatever context that would kind of look like later on down the road. But uh, I'm actually uh, back in school, actually pursuing a bachelor's degree right now, and it is a business related major. But it's a it's a separate focus. It's actually with Cal Baptist again too. But wow, it's called, full, uh, circle,
0: full circle. <laughs> <right>? <laughs> it's uh
1: it's called organizational leadership. And it mm-hmm. uh, it breaks down the principles and theories and um, the Christian aspects and biblical perspective of how to work with people. Wow. And um, and I think that's where my heart is at. Um, and that's where I see myself being most useful, um, being most impactful. And um, yes, I've been in this current organization for the past six years, seven years, six years. Um, And I, I do have a managerial title, but I work closely with my boss and he gives me a lot of his projects and it has to do with working a lot with HR So I do a lot of the hiring. Mm -hmm. Um, I do a lot of the onboarding. And I do a lot of...
0: Directly with people.
1: (laughs) Directly with people, yeah. Um, I do a lot of the training. Um, And so it's been a real blessing to me. Mm -hmm. And I think it's just really, I guess, adding fire to that fuel that I felt from years past. But um, I guess it's really... Adding on to my vision of what I want to do in the future, um, and talking about it with my with my wife as well. Uh, she's really pushed education, and she's really supported me in that. And uh, you know, she always tells me, like, I think you would do great in a role of human resources mm-hmm. somewhere 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 along down the road, mm-hmm. uh, just working with people and helping people. Uh, I don't see myself as a business person per se, Mm. but I know how it works and I know how, I know what makes the clock tick. Mm -hmm. Uh, But the more and more I study about leadership and business, it's kind of, it's kind of funny, but you know, business people will say you just need money and funding and you need a product that will sell, which is true. But I look at it the other way around and, I just see it as you can't do business without people, wow. uh, and that's just kind of been my foundation. Um, and yeah, even with uh, with with my staff, that's the way I see it. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and I think it's just you know, in that it is so many of us as like millennials, like I feel like our journey because you know we grew up being taught a bunch of skills and we were always told like, what is it you want to do? but I definitely feel like people our age, we're really starting to discover sometimes what you do isn't as important as who you do it with, right? Like, you know, we're like the office and like parks and rec generation, right? We're like, I'll sell paper. I'll sell paper as long as, you know, our coworkers are great and I'm helping people, right? Like, um, but yeah, uh, thank you so much, Kevin. I've just been blown away um, by your story. And I, you know, think that it really will... Uh, be a blessing to many who listen to it and i appreciate your honesty and i look forward to all the twists and turns hopefully not hopefully none too many um yeah and then you know (laughs) let me know if you ever have another summer chat with your dad
1: (laughs) 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 all right thanks kevin all right thanks Jason.